This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio, wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Welcome in, everybody, to the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. This is the Black and Blue Report. And greetings on this Monday from Studio B at the Oscar Sports Performance Center. With Daniel Salerson, I'm Sean Kelly. Hope everybody had a blessed uh, Passover and or Easter weekends. Uh, the weather was fantastic here in the Gulf South, uh, and it appears it will be that way for another day or two before uh, more rain comes. Not that you were here for weather reports. <laughs> Daniel, I'm sure everybody's here to talk a couple of uh, hot topics right now. Uh, April is here, which means the end of the regular season is nigh with regard to the NBA. And uh, we'll get to that with regard to the Pelicans in a moment. But it's also now uh, draft month in the NFL. By the time the calendar turns to the next month, We'll have NFL Draft, which means we have to begin today with our NFL Draft preview series. So we've got a little of both today. We'll start with the Pelicans and the NBA, Daniel. Uh, Four straight losses now for New Orleans. A tough one yesterday and losing to the Thunder. And uh, we knew knew this was going to be sticky. We knew that it would be a little tense, but not quite like this. Yeah, just the way the game played out yesterday was pretty frustrating. Just the turnovers that the Pelicans had and the, and the Thunder really didn't do much to capitalize on those until very at the end. And I feel like even the Pelicans couldn't capitalize on the Oklahoma City Thunder mistakes. I mean, that first half was as sloppy of a basketball game as we have seen in a while. And the fact that just the Pelicans really couldn't take advantage of that was probably the most frustrating part of last night. Yeah, no, no doubt. Other than the basketball, did you have a good weekend? It was a great weekend. Beautiful weather, strolled around the quarter a little bit on Saturday, and then it was game time on Sunday, but overall a a very nice weekend. Yes. 21 turnovers yesterday. Anthony Davis, by the way, in the last two games has almost played as if he's almost kind of a fog of some kind. It's just been very un-AD like Uh, that hasn't helped. Things do have to get turned around starting on Wednesday. We'll, our first guest today will be Mark Kestisher from the NBA on ESPN Radio, the lead voice of the NBA for the national radio broadcast. Uh, had a Western Conference game yesterday in San Antonio. He'll have the Thunder, uh, I think, tomorrow night. I think that's tomorrow night. So we'll get his take on the Wild and Woolly West uh, from a perspective just outside of us, kind of a more objective national perspective. Uh, we'll do that today. Uh, and then our second guest will be uh, Jake Chapman, who covers the Cleveland Browns. Yep. Uh, once again, the Browns are at the top of the list here for the NFL draft, so that's where we begin with our draft preview series today. Uh, Daniel, before we get to that first break, I'm thinking about the standings with regard to the West, and this is where we'll pick up in a moment with Mark Kestisher, but five left for the New Orleans Pelicans, two at home, three on the road. So here's my Monday morning guesswork. Okay. This changes almost hourly, but... Here on this Monday morning, I'm thinking three wins gets you in. I would agree Four, with that. Four, and you're in pretty darn good shape with regard to seeding, maybe. Because here's the deal. <laughs> well, here's my theory. You tell me if you're on board with this or not. First of all, you're, you're a game away from being out. So as the eighth seed, you're a game ahead of the nine, but yet you're only two back of four. And that's how crazy this yeah. is. And everybody's going to play everybody. The Denver Nuggets are 9, and the Clippers are 10. So the Pelicans have Memphis on Wednesday, right? Correct. Phoenix on Friday. Correct. Okay, so if the Pelicans, and they're two up on the Clippers, who are 10. So if you win your next two, which is very realistic, actually, you, you have to. Yes. 
and the Clippers lose their next two, which can happen because they're, they've got a really tough next two games, then you would be up four on the Clippers with three to play. So that would knock out the Clippers, right? right? Correct. Okay. So then you got to worry about Denver still. Who owns the tiebreaker? Who owns the tiebreaker? I get it. And there's no head-to-head with the Nuggets the rest of the way. Correct. Just be aware of that. So that's what I'm thinking. So when your next two Clippers lose their next two, you take the Clippers out, and then it's you and Denver. And I still think the schedule favors the Pelicans. Am I am I okay yes, in this? I, I would agree with that because if you look at after Memphis and Phoenix, then you go to Golden State for a second game of back to back, which is always tough. But you never know what the, how Golden State is going to play that game. They've already locked up two. There's, yep. There's no catching up to one. No. There's no drop into three. Right. Curry's already out. At what point do you start to sit even Durant again or Thompson or Green? Yep. So that could save you. And then if the Clippers are out on Monday. It's a very winnable game, too, that you're facing at the end of that road trip. Quite possibly, yes. And then a head-to-head with San Antonio and the regular season. Now, here's what I'm hoping about that game in particular. One, I hope that you're already in. You've clinched the playoff spot before you get to a week from Wednesday. Yes, that'd be nice. But if you win against San Antonio in that last game, it may vault you as high as four, but maybe more realistically five or six, Right. right? Okay. So that's kind of how I see it laying out. I would agree with that, and I think you feel it better. Of course, getting in is the ultimate goal, and I'd be happy just getting in. I think because of the situation with the Western Conference, I think fans, including myself, have tried to see if we can get higher than 7 or 8 because everyone looks at 7 and 8 and go, Houston and Golden State, why bother? Which I don't like that mindset in the first place because I think getting into the playoffs is very important. But I think looking at the situation where you're like, You've been this close to hosting a first-round matchup, so I think fans have kind of like, why not go for four or five or six to see if we can keep doing that? And that's why I think that Spurs game could be very important, where even if you are five or six, you could be facing a Portland Trailblazers team who you actually match up with very well, even a Spurs team that you've had a lot of success against. Mm -hmm. And so those first-round matchups look pretty darn good if you can get the six, five, or four. So I think that is the main goal, but the fact that you've lost four straight... That goal also just needs to be to get in. That's first nine, nine long days away. <laughs> That's crazy. It's not going to feel like nine no. days. It's going to come it's so quick. quickly, especially with that three games and four nights on the road. But as you mentioned, Wednesday and Saturday or Friday need to be must wins. Absolutely. You have, have to lock have those in. Grizzlies have played well against – well, it's been weird. They played well against some of these teams that are fighting for a Western Conference spot. They've also lost to the Hornets by 61. They haven't played Gasol a lot. It's, it's kind of hard to measure these teams – Phoenix was in the game a little bit against Golden State, then they fell off, but Booker hasn't been playing. Very winnable games, and you have to take advantage of those. I agree. I agree. Um, You have to take care of yourself, though, first. The Pelicans need to do a better job of managing the basketball as far as not turning it over. Correct. AD's got to be back to AD. That has to happen. Um, And I think this team needs to press a little bit less. They're pressing a little bit, Um, so we'll see. Yeah, I think... AD was starting to get a little more aggressive down the stretch, but you didn't see that for the first three quarters. I don't know if that ankle is still bothering him, which is making him a little more timid as far as going to the rim or landing or those alley-oops or whatever. But I think also the Pelicans have been getting a little careless with lobbing it to the rim for them, whether it's Rondo or Holiday or anyone. Just the fact that you're seeing a lot more of these that are causing turnovers and not buckets. So I think... um, as you mentioned, taking care of the basketball is going to be the big thing, but just go and play your brand. I mean, the pace and the ball movement has been what's gotten you into this position in the first place. You need to go back to that because I think they've lost some of that in these four-game losing streak. No doubt.
Hey, great crowd yesterday. Way to go, Pelicans fans. Let's see it again on, on Wednesday night. All right, still to come, uh, we begin our NFL draft preview uh, discussion. Uh, we start at the top with the Browns, so we'll, we'll sort of poke around Cleveland a little bit and see what they're thinking, or at least what those who are covering the Browns are thinking about what they may do, which I think the Browns go one and then four. four. Yeah. So two top five picks there. And then coming up here next, uh, our old buddy Mark Kestisher jumps in. Uh, we'll get his take on things. He saw, the, again, the Spurs and Rockets yesterday, which that didn't help our situation. Thanks a lot, Houston. Right. <laughs> but he'll see the thunder here coming up, and uh, he's dialed in the rest of the way as he gets ready for the postseason, too. So good show on this Monday for you. Stay with us. We'll be right back. In 1907, Dixie Beer was a balanced, refreshing lager, brewed with love and top-quality ingredients, it would grow to become something that connected us. The neighborhood beer of every New Orleans neighborhood. And now, Dixie is back to that 1907 recipe. Original and reinvented, just like its hometown. Visit DixieBeer.com to learn more. And always drink Dixie responsibly. Dixie Brewing Company, New Orleans, Louisiana. The New Orleans Pelicans have the perfect way for you to do it big with your buds by scoring the Guys Night Out six-pack presented by Loft 18. Packages are available for select Pelicans home games throughout the season and include two tickets, four beers, and a $20 gift certificate to Loft 18, your ultimate indoor golfing experience, all for as low as $50. Do it big with the next Guys Night Out six-pack presented by Loft 18 on Wednesday, April 4th against the Memphis Grizzlies. Visit pelicans.com to plan your Guys Night Out today. What's up, Pelican fans? This is Anthony Mackey, a shorter, talented version of Anthony Davis, and you are listening to the Black and Blue Report. Go Pelicans. Welcome back. We continue, as promised, with Mark Kestisher, lead NBA voice for the NBA on ESPN Radio. He is hopscotching around the Western Conference here down the stretch. He had Houston and San Antonio, as we talked about yesterday. He's off to Oklahoma City later today, and he's kind enough to join us here for a few minutes uh, Mark, uh, the Wild and Woolly West uh, is something to behold here, and I'm sure you are licking your chops at these games remaining on your schedule. Yeah, this is uh, this is amazing. You got to work with uh, PJ on Thursday, and I got to work with him yesterday uh, if for the uh, Houston game. And he even admitted, you know, when he came here, and look, he's a longtime Spurs assistant. He kind of bleeds a little bit of black and silver still. Um, he wasn't sure they could pick up one, if any, win in this stretch and San Antonio got both and it's a testament to how quickly this can slip from the Spurs a team that looked like you know a few weeks ago they could slip out of this whole thing with a losing streak and then they rip off eight out of ten and here they are with home court advantage but only for the moment because uh, as you said uh, four through eight and then you include nine and ten also tight with uh, you know just over a week to go it's I think and, Mark, you correct me if I'm wrong here. I think the difference between four and nine at the moment is three games with five to play. That that seems unbelievable. Yeah, it, it is amazing. If you look at yeah, in the loss column, the all-important loss column, three games from 32 losses San Antonio to 35 losses Denver, and then the Clippers are that team you just can't seem to get rid of. Even after they got rid of their big star, Blake Griffin, they have stayed right in it. They're five over 500. They have 36 losses. Time's kind of winding on them with a couple of losses back-to-back. But uh, I'd like to say, I can't remember the last time we've seen this, but I do recall 
don't know if it was about five years ago when the Phoenix Suns had 48 wins and didn't make it as a nine seed in the West. I don't know if, uh, you know, 48, 49 is going to be the number this year, but it's going to come awful close. Yeah, it might be 45, 46 right around there. I think 46 yep. is the one I've been hanging on to. Mark, you know, nationally, as, as of course I look at it very narrow-minded here through the Pelicans' lens, but nationally, what's the feeling? Is, is the field set at this point, or do the Nuggets and the Clippers still have a realistic shot in your eyes or of those that you're talking to? You know, I don't think so. I don't think it's set. Um, look, Denver is one of those teams that on certain nights, you're like, wow, this is a playoff team. They're an up-and-coming team. They've got talent. Same can be said for the Utah Jazz. Oklahoma City is a big question mark for all of us, I think, all season long. I mean, they're sitting in a good spot right now. Um, you know, that was obviously a big win for them in New Orleans on Sunday. But here they are, um, a team that you just don't know what you're going to get on any particular night. You think the roles are finally um, set in stone between Westbrook and Carmelo Anthony and Paul George, and then late-game situation sometimes seems to get the worst of them, I guess would be the best way to put it. And so that's the team for me, as gifted as they are individually, I don't know if they're in there yet. And Minnesota, this is, you know, you figure they've taken the step up uh, with all the talent they have, the young talent they have, and, you know, Jimmy Butler, hope, you know, they're hoping he gets uh, set to come back real soon, that maybe they can hang on. And New Orleans as well, uh, that you guys see them day in and day out and thinking uh, hopefully Anthony Davis gets back on track here. It's hard. It, it's a really long-winded answer to say, I don't know if anybody's safe. Uh, the Clippers are the one team that I had written off weeks ago, and yet they're still in it. So I think there's going to be one very disappointed team, and I'm not sure who that's going to be. Yeah, good point there. Um You've seen Golden State quite a bit. You know the way they operate and everything else. You know, Pelicans fans, Mark, are looking at that game coming up on the weekend road trip that's ahead and wondering what Steve Kerr does and what kind of a Golden State team takes the floor against the Pelicans, uh, for that matter, here this weekend. Mark, I don't think they can move out of number two. Um, and, and with the injuries that they've had, what, what kind of a Warriors plan do you anticipate here? This is interesting because you're right. They are locked in at number two, but you look at it from the other end. Could resting, quote-unquote, players work to his advantage if, he, if Steve Kerr wants to work matchups? Who would he rather face in round one? Does he want to see Minnesota-New Orleans finish in that 7-8, or I guess 7 is the spot? Does he want to stay away from Oklahoma City, who we'll have tomorrow? I mean, he could theoretically affect that by who he throws out there, but I – I'll take something from Mike D'Antoni yesterday here in San, San Antonio, and he wants guys to play. I mean, I don't think you care about your seating. San Antonio, they don't even care where they're seated in years past, right? Like Pop would say, I'm going rest, and he goes from a two-seed to a six-seed. You guys remember that, right? Yep. New Orleans on the final day of the regular season, and, and may have cost him, right, in the long run, depending on matchup. Uh, but I think, look, Clay Thompson doesn't want to rest anymore. If you want to call sitting out uh, eight games with a broken thumb rest, but he's ready to go. He wants to get into a rhythm. I bet the same could be said for Kevin Durant and Draymond Green, and they're not going to have Steph Curry you know, through the first round, it sounds like. I think now that you're down to the final week, you want to get into some kind of rhythm, especially teams that have had their rhythms altered, like the Golden State Warriors. But it will be interesting to see if there's any correlation or if he tips his hand on – 
resting particular lineups, particular games to see if he could set up a matchup. But I think when you talk to most, most coaches, it's one of those be careful what you wish for, and you just play your game and, and deal with the matchup you're dealt with and go from there. Interesting. Mark, whether it be East or West, who's the one team right now that intrigues you the most? Perhaps if you're traveling or in the hotel room or whatever, if their game comes on, you stop and watch. <laughs> well, uh, two, two teams right off the bat from the East would be Milwaukee and Philadelphia. And I, would, I put Toronto in there, too, but we've seen them all season long. Uh, I love that team. I know they kind of hit a little stumbling block here, a brief one, if you will, uh, as they try to lock down the one seed. Love watching the Sixers. Even with Embiid out, uh, you know, winning 10 in a row, having finally seen them live a few weeks ago, a lot of fun to watch and just love uh, the Greek freak. So Milwaukee's there. And in the West, um, you know, I would say Houston's that team. It's more of a show-me team. It wouldn't be a team I'm stopping to watch now because we've seen it. I want to see what they do when the bright lights and the big stage comes on. And then uh, you ask me for one and I'll pick a fifth. Uh, San Antonio. Uh, I, I think it's very interesting because now they, uh, they uh, to a man, they've moved past, and you were here the other day, Kawhi Leonard, they've moved past that. They're just assuming he's not here, he's done for the year, which is probably likely anyway, and they have reconfigured themselves, and LaMarcus Aldridge, is, is like, this is how he likes to play. You know, he wants to be the guy, he wants to get the touches where he wants to get them. They've all figured it out around them, and uh, as PJ said in our broadcast yesterday, and I'm sure you would agree with it, um, nobody wants to face San Antonio in round one because as much as they've struggled, as many injuries as they've had, that coaching staff, those players, the guys off the bench with the corporate knowledge, if you will, Ginobili and Parker uh, and Rudy Gay, uh, nobody, nobody wants to deal with that team. Yeah, I, I think I think you guys are dead on when uh, when you speak of the Spurs in that sense. Uh, Mark, before I let you go, and I may have set you up here with that, that previous question, but as you'll be calling the national games throughout the postseason, I know you'll be bouncing around quite a bit until we narrow down to the conference finals. But if, if, I, could, if I could let you pick one bracket or the other, east or west, to stay with for the postseason um, because of storylines or matchups or what have you, which side would you want to zero in on? Uh, yeah, I think it's got to be west. Uh, every, everything about me says, let's stay West. I stayed West last year and my wife uh, almost divorced me. Almost kidding. <laughs> almost kidding. But, um, it look, uh, from a personal standpoint, living on the East coast, uh, being West all the time is difficult for two and a half months, but just wanted to see what the Rockets are going to do. Uh, the Warriors, if they finally get all healthy and what they've done the last three years, We've gone over the San Antonio story. Portland's been a great story. Minnesota's up and coming. Love to see. I mean, I've been rooting for the Pelicans, it feels like, for the last three or four years to take that next step. Utah's young. Oklahoma City's a box of chocolates. I think I've named them all. But I think um, as much as we all thought it would be Golden State and Cleveland when we opened this thing back on October 17th, there's, there's major question marks there. And there's a lot of great talent in the Western Conference. Not to, you know, speak uh, lightly at all about the East, but I think um, everything about me is pulling me to the West. I think that would be my answer. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Mark Kestisher, NBA on ESPN Radio. They're uh, on the air tomorrow night nationally for Oklahoma City and Golden State. Uh, Mark, one more thing. You've been in San Antonio all weekend, uh, and, of course, that's the side of the Final Four. 
Uh, would you would you mind a preview of tonight's championship between Villanova and Michigan? Who you got? Well, I'd like to tell you I, I have an expert's view because I actually got to go to the, the semifinals on Saturday for the first time. You know our schedule as uh, uh, you know NBA announcers and just working in studio for me for 20 years before that. You know, I never had a chance to get out to the Final Four, and ESPN has no rights to the Final Four with CBS and Westwood One locking it down. So it was great to, to watch. Um, such a huge Villanova fan. I don't know if they can do uh, what they did on Saturday night, but, you know, Jay Wright is an awesome coach. He, he knows how to recruit his guys, his system. I think they're just way too strong for whoever was going to win that game, Michigan or Loyola. And as good as the Wolverines looked those last 12 minutes, um, I don't think anything's stopping the Villanova train. Old school Big East for me, Villanova. I kind of had a feeling. Mark, you're going to get accused <laughs> of that East Coast bias all over again. You know That's that, right. That's right. Uh, I'm, I'm going west for the NBA playoffs, but I'm staying east for college basketball. Fair enough. Safe travels. We'll be listening tomorrow night. All the best to you, and we'll hopefully catch up with you again when we know what the postseason field looks like. Absolutely, Sean. Mark Kestisher, NBA on ESPN Radio. We're back with a preview of the Browns and what they'll do at the top of the NFL draft in just a moment. Now, Uber takes you couch to courtside at the tap of a button. Heading to a Pelicans game, Uber helps you pass on the parking and focus on the fun. And if you're still an Uber rookie, you can get $20 off your first ride with code PELICANS18. Uber, a proud partner of your New Orleans Pelicans. What is big? Big is DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis. Fire and ice, boogie in the brow. It's two of the league's most dynamic big men. It's razor wire around the rim on defense and a powder keg offense ignited by explosive ball handling. See the Pels play the San Antonio Spurs Wednesday, April 11th at our fantastic finale. First 9,000 fans get a free Rajon Rondo bobblehead. Visit pelicans.com for tickets. New Orleans Pelicans, do it big. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Daniel Sellerson. We begin our NFL draft preview course with pick number one, and I guess we should say pick number four. Cleveland Browns will have the number one pick of the 2018 NFL draft. And joining me now from Cleveland is Jake Chapman from producer of Baskin and Phelps on 92.3 and also part of the Cleveland Browns radio network. What's going on, Jake? How are you, my friend? Hey, Daniel. I'm good. How are you? I'm good, Jake. Let's first talk about the Browns' offseason a little bit. They've been making some moves, acquiring Jarvis Landry. They acquired Carlos Hyde. Just a lot of moves being made by the Browns. How would you describe this offseason so far for Cleveland? Yeah, it seems like a whole lot of positives. I mean, John Dorothy, first of all, the biggest offseason move that they made and maybe the one that they didn't make was overhauling the front office. They brought in John Dorothy. They brought in Alonzo Highsmith and Elliot Wolf. Um, guys from the Packers and Chiefs organizations, and, and really just a whole lot of guys who are respected around the league. And so Sashi Brown, who was um, the general manager for the last couple of seasons, was you know kind of an analytics guy. He was uh, he was somebody who didn't have any experience necessarily scouting or you know being in the league um, for an extended period of time. So they sort of took you know kind of the process from the Philadelphia 76ers and then incorporated a whole bunch of guys with all of that draft capital. 
um, who they trusted spending it more. So a lot of people around the league are saying, look, they're on the right track and arming them with all of these picks is a really, really good plan. Um, and then they brought back Hugh Jackson. So there's a lot of sort of hesitancy about whether he should be the coach moving forward. Um, I think ownership thought that Hugh Jackson deserved a shot um, kind of as the plan moved forward. It was their plan to not necessarily go 1-31, but to rebuild it for the last two seasons. And they kind of had 2018 circled, like this is when we're going to um, add picks and add free agents and, and really take a step forward. So it's a whole lot of optimism here in Cleveland. A lot of people think John Dorsey is the guy for the job. Um, and he has right before free agency opened. Um, he made some moves uh, via trade, actually, that really immediately boosted the amount of talent on this roster. First and foremost, Tyrod Taylor comes in. He's got one year left on his deal. Um, this is a quarterback better than any quarterback we've seen here in Cleveland, really going back to Tim Couch. I mean, this is just a guy who is proven, um, you know, it's, is he going to get you to the Super Bowl on his right arm alone? Probably not, but the stuff that he did in Buffalo at the very least shows you that with a competent roster around him, he can get you to the playoffs. He can win you perhaps double-digit games, so I thought that was huge. Make a move for Jarvis Landry, arguably the best slot receiver in the league. Um, he's another guy who, you know, you're going to have to deal with whether or not you want to pay him, and you sort of uh, you, you have the franchise tag, you have the ability to re-sign him potentially over the course of the next year. Um, and if at this time next year, you know, you, you decide Jarvis Landry isn't worth the price tag or Tyrod Taylor isn't worth the price tag, well, hopefully they've done the job, which was coming in and sort of stabilizing things, um, especially in the offensive side of the ball. They went and they added some, some depth along the offensive line, a whole lot of depth within the secondary, which was a big issue last year. And then they have all these picks. They still have a lot of money to spend. Um, you mentioned Carlos Hyde. Daniel, he comes in, and he's a guy who – at least has a proven track record there in San Francisco. Um, they lost Isaiah Corowell, who was um, kind of a workhorse type back for them the last couple seasons. So they've already filled some holes. There's a whole lot more holes to fill. But really the difference between this version of the Browns and the last um, is, is the front office, is John Dorsey and, and some really respected football guys uh, within that front office. So, yeah, a lot of people are really excited about the Browns here in Cleveland. And now they have some options at picks one and four. Of course, the debate keeps going back and forth, whether they go with a quarterback at one and then maybe um, something else at pick number four, or they grab Saquon Barkley at one, then grab the quarterback at four. Jake, what direction do you think the Cleveland Browns are going with at pick number one, or do we even have an idea yet? Yeah, I think I, I would be shocked, and I probably would drop my Cleveland Browns fan card if they didn't take a quarterback at one. Um, I mentioned Tyrod Taylor is the best quarterback they've had since Tim Couch, and part of that is because they've never spent a, a really early pick or certainly not the top pick in the draft on a quarterback. They've tried late in the first round to grab guys like Brandon Whedon or Johnny Manziel or whoever. Um, they've tried in mid-round, second, third, fourth rounds to grab guys like Deshaun Kaiser, Charlie Fry. Um, you know, I don't need to go through the, what, 20 yeah. quarterbacks in the last 20 seasons. We don't have guys, enough time for that. <laughs> I, I, we don't have enough time, and everybody knows the bottom line is they all stink, and they all stunk um, here. And some of them went on to have okay careers, but the quarterback position has not been answered since the Browns returned to the NFL in 1999. So, um, And this is a good quarterback class. That's the other thing. Bruce Arians, uh, before he left the Cardinals, said this is one of the best classes I've seen in 15, 20 years. If you can't find between the four guys, and I'll even throw Lamar Jackson into that mix, between Allen, Darnold, Rosen, and Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson, if you can't find the guy you like and take him at number one, then there is a problem there. Um, and a lot of people say, well, if there's four guys, then you know, grab Barkley at one or Bradley Chubb at one, and you'll still get one of them at four. I don't want one of them. I want the one that John Dorsey thinks is the best. 
Um, he needs to identify the quarterback of the future for the Browns, and he needs to select him first overall. And then we can talk at number four. Like, I personally don't believe you should be taking quarterbacks that high, in the, uh, running backs that high in the draft. We all watch Saquon Barkley here in town, so he is certainly a polarizing figure um, in Big Ten country. A lot of people really want him to help whoever the young quarterback is. Um, you mentioned Carlos Hyde. They also got a guy named Duke Johnson here who's a really good uh, pass-catching uh, running back out of the backfield. Um, they use him in the slot kind of. So they have two running backs right now who are at least proven NFL players. Um, and so the idea of using Barkley at four, of using that pick on Barkley at four, I kind of steer away from it, but I'm not going to be too angry if they do because, you know, from all indications, this is a, a, a potentially game-changing player, and, um, and and we've seen him do some special stuff in the Big Ten. So I think at four you're probably talking about either Bradley Chubb, the pass rusher out of NC State, or, uh, or Saquon Barkley, and it's really hard to argue with either of those picks. Um, both have, uh, have very impressive draft profiles, and I think both would help this team immensely. You mentioned – picking the best quarterback at number one in your eyes, who is that best quarterback? Well, I've been locked in on Josh Rosen basically since he was a freshman. I, it makes me laugh. Everybody says, you know, Josh Rosen's the best passer in this draft, but, and I'm like, wait, stop right there. Uh, when I go through the list of things I want in a quarterback, passing is pretty high on this list of job qualifications. So it kind of drives me nuts. There's all these questions about what he fit in Cleveland, and is he too smart for you know, is he too smart for his own good? And I'm like, okay, so he's really smart and really good at passing. That sounds really good for me <laughs> at the quarterback position. The only questions I would have, and I think they are valid questions about Rosen, is his injury history. Um, but quarterbacks are going to get concussed here and there. And the shoulder injury that he had was just kind of a small tear in his throwing shoulder that they went in and scoped and cleaned up. So I've been locked in on Josh Rosen for a long time. I think you watch him and you go, this guy could be the best quarterback in the league. Um pretty soon and they and you also hear from a lot of guys he's the most nfl ready right off the bat so he just looks like a guy who can sling the ball around the field um very specifically i watched the game where he uh squared off with with sam darnold in usc this year and i thought he outplayed him i know you can't go based off of one game but i was really watching that game because it felt like i was watching the future browns quarterback one way or the other it's been a whole lot of buzz lately and peter king in an article uh monday morning in the monday morning quarterback that he thinks is going to be Josh Allen. There are people in town who are excited about the potential of Josh Allen long-term, but I can't wrap my head around taking a guy from Wyoming who didn't win at Wyoming, who didn't complete more than 60% of his passes at Wyoming. Physically, he's, he's tantalizing for sure, um, and maybe he has the highest ceiling, but I think Josh Rosen is a perfect combination of um, the highest floor and the highest ceiling. So that's my guy, but unfortunately it's seems like it's going to come down to either Sam Darnold or Josh Allen. And if that's the case, then I'll take Sam Darnold. Should be interesting real quick before I let you go with all those picks in, in rounds one and two, are the Browns done dealing since they have so many options with those picks? No, I don't think so. Uh, there's, you know, there's a couple other um, holes on the roster. I, I, I still think they want to add another receiver. Um, they certainly want to fortify the secondary a little bit. Now with Josh, uh, with Joe Thomas retiring, Grabbing that left tackle, they're going to have to do that somewhere. And unfortunately, it looks like there's not a tackle prospect who would be worth the fourth overall pick. Um, so you look at a Mike McGlinchey, you look at Colton Miller from UCLA, Connor Williams from Texas. Depending on where you see those guys slotted, which is probably somewhere between pick number 10 and 25, um, I would not be shocked if the Browns package some of those second-round picks, maybe even a pick from next year, and try to get back up into the first round. It's what they did last year. They grabbed three first-round picks. 
Um, and, you know, maybe somewhere around the 20 range. If you see a guy, maybe it's Darius Geis, the running back, they still have plenty of holes to fill, and they need to add top-level talent. So um, I think the idea is spending those picks one and four and then packaging a couple more and coming back up and grabbing one of those positions of need a little bit mid to late first round. Um, I think that's a great idea, and certainly a lot of people here in Cleveland would be on board with that. Which could affect the Saints at pick number 27, so we'll see how that all plays out come late April. That's Jake Chapman, part of the Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Jake, should be an interesting time there in Cleveland for the next month. I appreciate you joining us here. All right, Daniel, no problem. And there he goes, and that will do it for today's edition of the Black and Blue Report podcast. Big thanks to Mark Kessischer of ESPN Radio and Sean Kelly. On Wednesday, it's pick number two with the New York football giants. Anita Marks will join us from ESPN Radio. She'll kind of talk to us about what direction the giants might go at pick number two and also how the Odell Beckham Jr. situation affects how they draft come late April. And it's also a Pelicans game day as they welcome in the Memphis Grizzlies. Of course, we'll have David Wesley on, part of a Wesley Wednesday as he'll give us his thoughts on Wednesday's game and these last five games for the Pelicans very crucial as they hope to clinch a playoff berth here in the next week. Until then, hope you have a great rest of your Monday. Thanks for listening to the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans, the Black and Blue Report.